Women as One promotes talent in medicine by bringing the unique talents of women to the forefront. We believe that, as one, women can use their collective voice to change the landscape of medicine. So my name is Kendra Grubb. I am a cardiovascular surgeon at Emory University, and I am the surgical director of the Structural Heart and Valve Program, which means that not only do I do open-heart surgeries the way people traditionally think of open-heart surgery, but I also do transcatheter therapies and minimally invasive procedures. So all in an effort to treat patients who um, may not tolerate a traditional surgery, that's where kind of the transcatheter therapy started. And now we're able to offer those to a much broader range of patients. So I did my undergrad, master's in medical school, all at the University of Southern California. Before I went to medical school, I completed a master's of health administration, kind of like an MBA for healthcare, because I thought it was really important to understand the landscape and the business side of medicine. And it's actually paid off quite a bit because I used the skills much more often than I expected. So I did my MHA, I then went to medical school all at USC, so 10 years. And then I went to Chicago and did general surgery training for five years at the University of Illinois at Chicago. And then went to the University of Virginia to do cardiothoracic surgery training. At UVA, I actually was the first woman to actually train in their program, and I went through their cardiac surgery track. And kind of all along the way, I had been looking for my niche, and I think part of that stemmed from my training in business, but it was what was going to set me apart from all the other people out there in terms of skill sets. And certainly minimally invasive surgery, everyone wanted smaller incisions or no incisions at all, and I was attracted to that. I thought for a while I might do like robotic surgery, and I still think that that's a really interesting field. But just about the time that I was doing my surgery training, transcatheter therapies started appearing for valvular heart disease. And the first one was TAVR, or transcatheter aortic valve replacement. And so as I started to see these new procedures, the light bulb went on, and it became very apparent that these transcatheter therapies were going to be really important in my future as a cardiac surgeon. So I actually did something that's not traditional, which was after my cardiac surgery training, I actually flipped over to the medicine side. So the surgery arms and medicine side of healthcare are really separate pathways coming out of medical school. And I was able to jump from one to the other because of an opportunity at Columbia University where they would train cardiac surgeons in interventional cardiology. So for a year, I spent being a cardiologist and doing interventional cardiology and transcatheter therapies, putting stents in coronary arteries that I would normally have bypassed if they were sent to me for surgery. So it was a really, really interesting year and really opened up the world of possibilities for how to treat complex diseases of the heart and help me have kind of foot in both camps. I can think like a cardiac surgeon and like an interventional cardiologist and through that, really be able to, I hope, determine what is best for the patient. And we're in a really interesting era where the heart team approach to complex cardiac disease is really driving best outcomes in the field. And I feel really lucky that I kind of understand both sides of it. I mean, it's put me in a great position to be able to not only help patients, but hopefully lead this heart team approach to cardiac disease. I don't think that 
there was this big master plan. I was someone who I declared when I was a small child that I was going to be a surgeon. And my father jokes because I was about three years old when I first started telling people that I wanted to be a surgeon. And at, at that point, of course, I wasn't telling people heart surgeon or cardiac surgeon. I didn't even know what that meant, but I knew I wanted to be a surgeon. So I went to medical school, not to be a doctor, but to be a surgeon, which is kind of a funny, funny thing for your three-year-old daughter to be saying. But nonetheless, the piece of going to business school, I knew that I wanted to do that. But after that, I would say that I kind of just followed my heart and followed the opportunities and possibilities. So when I went to general surgery training, it was kind of an open book. You've got to try on all the different surgical specialties. And I went through phases where I thought I was going to be a liver transplant surgeon or a plastic surgeon or various other types of surgical specialties. And I was finally exposed to cardiac surgery my second year and it just fit. One of the things that I wanted is a big impact factor. And so for me, I knew that the sacrifices that I would make, especially as a woman, were going to be great. And so to offset that, I wanted to make sure that I was doing work that I felt was meaningful, that was that I was contributing. And for me, cardiac surgery really fed that need. I felt like if I did a really good job and and was able to bypass blocked coronaries and prevent heart attacks, then you know I could add years to somebody's life. And that was really exciting for me. Now add on all of those new technologies, all of that combined really was like, this is within surgery, this is really the only thing I can see myself doing. So it was really as a second year general surgery resident that I found that specialty. It was right at the end of my second year. And I had tremendous mentors. Now, granted, all of my mentors have been men all along. But nonetheless, I had tremendous mentors that helped push me in the right direction. And so I wouldn't say that cardiac surgery was something that I had planned out from the beginning. And certainly not the transcatheter therapy. Those opportunities came to me. And I realized they kind of fit in with what I was trying to accomplish personally and as my personal goals were fulfilled, it just was building on itself. And in terms of, you know, just being female in the field, I certainly didn't set out for any of this to try to say, oh, I'm going to be a woman in the field. In fact, that's not even how my mind thinks. I was very fortunate in that growing up, my mother has a very strong personality and I'm growing up in the Pacific Northwest, certainly was raised as you can do anything you want to do if you're willing to work hard enough. And I certainly appreciate like the limitations with that thought, right? I'll never be an NFL quarterback. But otherwise, there are no limitations because I'm female. So it wasn't something that I was thinking, oh, I'm going to be this woman that does these things. These are just things I wanted to do. And oh, by the way, I happen to be a woman. But nonetheless, being the first woman at UVA started opening up this idea that you know, I can be the first one and it's going to be okay. It's okay to walk in a room and be the only woman in the room. And so I picked cardiac surgery, which is very few women and all of thoracic surgery, it's only about 5%. And so cardiac surgery is actually less than that. And then interventional cardiology, also a very male dominated profession with only about four and a half percent being women. In terms of who has trained in both, I mean, you're talking about minuscule numbers. In fact, full training, I could possibly be the only one in the United States that actually did full training in both. But I'm sure there's there's more out there that I just don't know of. 
I think that when I was younger, I actually shied away from using my gender as a way to say, well, I'm a, I'm a woman and I'm a female cardiac surgeon or a woman in this field because I didn't want anyone to think that I got there because I was female. I wasn't special because I was female. I wanted to get there on my skill set. And now I guess I see it a little bit differently. I see it as, yeah, I am a woman in this field and I still got there by my skill set. And I have this opportunity to let other women know, yeah, you can do this too. It's not that big of a deal. Like you just set the course and you follow the path. And when the door of opportunity opens, you walk through it. So this was such an interesting experience. I am fascinated by social media. I have to say that I'm a little bit older. And so I, you know, I didn't grow up with social media as being a part of my my youth and I still to this day don't quite understand how it links everybody together but it certainly does and I figured that it would be really fun to introduce our new partner who happens to be a woman, Asida Buku. I figured it would be really fun to introduce her to my world by taking a picture with our first case together. So Asida actually trained with us. She's an incredibly talented interventional cardiologist. You know, we hired her, luckily, because she's so good. And our first case together was this picture. So we shot some pictures and thought it would be kind of fun. And it turns out, actually, the entire room of people were female. The circulator was female. The echocardiographer was female. If I would have had enough wherewithal, I would have shot the whole, the whole group. But I just figured I was sharing this with my friends. So I put it out there on social media, on just my personal pages, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter. And with some stats, the intent was to welcome Asita, comment on the fact that we have this opportunity for two women to be working together at an institution and being a really high volume center that we're working together. And then I just threw the stats out. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think that in thoracic surgery, I was only the 250th woman ever board certified in thoracic surgery of all time. The first one was in 1961. and. Since that time, I mean, I was only the 250th. So the fact that the two of us are working together, we're not the first all-female team, but it was rare enough to me and profound enough in my personal pathway that I wanted to share it with my friends and the people that I consider colleagues and my connections. And the response has been unbelievable. I was and continue to be humbled by the outcome of positive replies. I started just kind of keeping track of the numbers of who is looking at this. And I have to say, like, it gives me chills because I never expected the response from it. And clearly, it's time. It's time that we start talking about this. So far, the images have been seen by over 100,000 people. That's a football stadium worth of people. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And I'm looking at all the responses from people all over the world. Iran, Saudi Arabia, Croatia, Kuwait, Serbia. I mean, everywhere across Europe, across Asia, South America, over 65 countries. And I realized this is not just a U.S. thing. This is a woman thing. And this silly picture that I shot because I thought it'd be cool to introduce my new female partner it's going around the world and just so exciting. I mean, and, and the replies, just such amazing responses uh, from men and women. 
are so proud of us and thank you for posting this and more power to you. And, you know, the, the one that really hits me is like when people will say things like, I have two little girls and I'll bring them up knowing that not only are they equal to men, but they're strong enough to lead them. And I was like, wow, I, that is incredible. Right now, I think we need that. We need that visibility so that more women are saying, I can do this too. I mean, the fact of the matter is they just published a paper showing that fewer women are going into interventional cardiology and cardiology as a subspecialty. So more girls going or more women going into medical school, the medical school classes are, you know, at least 50-50, but fewer women going into the subspecialty. And when you look at cardiac surgery, cardiology, interventional cardiology, or the other subspecialties around there, the numbers are going down. And so right now, I think it is important to engage, to be visible. When you're talking about technical skills, that's a, that's a learned entity. That's a, how many reps you've done. Can you master a certain technique? Can you do an operation? Can you do a procedure? And I don't think there's a difference at all in terms of gender or sex or any of that. I think that our male fellows and our female fellows are equally as teachable. I think that where you notice the difference is almost like a style thing. So for example, I tend in the operating room to try to make very small incisions when I do a sternotomy and open the breastbone because frankly, I would want my surgeon to do that. I understand that the operation has to do with the heart, but the scar on the outside is what I would have to live with. And so I'm cognizant of that. And many of my male colleagues are not. So it's a different approach when we go into the operating room and we're doing procedures on an awake patient. So that picture with Asita and me, that patient's awake. And so I'm going to walk in and I'm going to talk to the patient and I'm going to reassure them. It's going to be like we were in the office, whereas a lot of my male colleagues, they don't necessarily do that step. Um, it's very technical. It's in. I'm here to put your valve in. I also feel the need to make sure that the patient is reassured and modesty, right? So if you're an awake patient, I'm going to make sure that we're going to cover up as much as we can because you're awake in the room. And even though we're worried about sterile technique and all of this, we're going to also going to have some modesty. So I think that those are the types of things where there's just a little bit more compassion, emotion, a sensitivity that comes through. And, you know, Dr. Uku and I work very well together. You know, she trained with us as a fellow, so our styles are very similar. But I'm sure as we go forward, we will have patterns that are different than when I work with the male interventional cardiologist because it's just a difference in style, almost like a finesse. And it starts with empathy, but I think also it's a choice where I think that many of my male colleagues when they interact with patients, it is as, well, I'm the doctor. And the patient responds to that as, well, I will, I'll just do what the doctor tells me to do because they're the doctor. And I don't approach it that way at all. In this era of shared decision-making, I don't want to be the one who is dictating. I can lead a patient one way or another and provide them with information so that they are able to make a decision. But at the end of the day, I feel much more comfortable and confident about our relationship, my relationship with that patient, if we came to a consensus on what they want to do with their body, as opposed to me telling them, oh, you have to have this or that. 
I almost never say, oh, you have to have or, or these bad things will happen. Well, that's very common, very common way to approach patient care across, you know, across probably all specialties. But for me, I would far rather tell a patient, here are your options. We can do option A, we can do option B, or we can do option C. Here are the risks and benefits. Here are the downsides. And let me help you make a decision about what's best for you. I think that that does a couple of things. One, it engages the patient in the conversation at a much higher level. And two, it empowers them to take control of this process, especially when you're talking about things involving the heart, cardiac surgery, interventional cardiology, or cardiology in general. When you're talking about things involving the heart, you want your patient to feel like they are part of the process, that they are responsible for their end of the deal. So that means I'm going to do the best job I can do. Then you're going to get home and you're going to take your medicines and you're going to exercise and you're going to do everything that you can do. And so getting back to kind of do I think that there's an opportunity for women to lead with this type of thinking and change kind of the paradigm for patient care, I absolutely do. I think it's going to make a big impact because I think you find that women approach the shared decision making from a very different vantage point. You know, I'm there to be an advisor more so than dictating what your care should be.